Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, the preseason edition of the podcast. So happy you can join us. I'm going to be here with Paul Burmeister uh, for the first part of the podcast, my friend from NBC. And then later on in the podcast, I'm going to bring in one of my good friends in the business, Mike Sando of The Athletic, been covering the NFL for three decades. He's going to bring some expertise On three teams in particular, the Colts, the Rams, and the Seahawks, uh, all of whom he is very familiar with and visited this year uh, in training camp. So we will get to those with Mike Sando a little bit later. Uh, Paul and I are going to go over our picks for the season and uh, Super Bowl MVP otherwise. And we're both going to talk about some of the teams maybe we like a little bit more than everybody else and some of the teams we, we don't like as much as, as other people do. But, Paul, anyway, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me, and uh, it'll be fun to kick off the season with you. Peter, this is kind of a unique one because from here on out, we're going to have games to either review or preview, and this is the last time – that we were kind of looking forward to and all that mystery, all all the wondering about who's going to be good and who's going to disappoint all those things. It's still out there for now. And we'll get a real peek at it with the games coming up, but I'm looking forward to the predicting part of this, but I know that there's a, a a COVID part of it that we want to touch on and be on record with before we get to the predicting about who's going to win, who's going to be the MVP and all that. So uh, I enjoyed the, the way you wrote about it in your article on Monday with the COVID and the way some of the coaches are, are thinking about it and some of the concerns they have. I'd love to hear a little more about that before we kick it off. Yeah, Paul, let me first frame this. And I think you framed it exactly the right way. Um, I do not want to. I, I got a couple of letters saying, oh, my God, another COVID column. And so I, I went and I added up the number of words I wrote about COVID this week. And it was like 920 out of 10,900. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, my whole point is that, um, and the thing that I try to tell people, look, I want this to be the fun, fun and games of life. I want it to be the toy department. I, I, I want that. But the problem is it wasn't that way last year. And it's not going to be that way this year. And I just want you to know, I want you, the listeners, the readers, the viewers, to know the rules of engagement, okay? And to know what people in the NFL are thinking about. And listen, I'm just telling you, I spent a lot more than one-tenth of my time at training camps and 
coaches spend a lot more than one tenth of their time with me in training camps talking about COVID and their concerns and their fears about the year. And I quoted a one head coach in my column this week who said, I think COVID might affect teams more this year than last year. And, and so I'm, first of all, I just want everybody to know, we've, everybody has, has heard about this and all that, but I want you to know exactly what the rules are with COVID this year. It's very short. There's only four little pieces that you have to know. Two pieces about unvaccinated players, two pieces about vaccinated players. First, every vaccinated player is going to be tested every seven days. Now the Players Association wants that to be more than that. I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, And I think for safety reasons, it's probably a good idea to do more than once a week. But as of now, uh, every vaccinated player gets tested once a week. Every unvaccinated player, the approximately 7% of players around the NFL who are unvaccinated, they get tested every day. They're not allowed to go a single day as long as their team is playing, even during their bye week without being tested. So now let's go into the consequences. Unvaccinated players who test positive for COVID are out and they are away from their team for 10 days, no exceptions. Unvaccinated players who are deemed close contacts with COVID positive people in their organization or wherever they would have gotten it, uh, will have to be away from the team for five days with no exceptions. So if you're unvaccinated and you get COVID, 10 days you're out. If you're close contacts, you uh, are away from the team for five days, no exceptions. Now vaccinated players who test positive can rejoin the team if they're asymptomatic by testing negative twice in two tests separated by at least 24 hours. So essentially what that means is that if a player, a vaccinated player, let's say tests positive uh, on a Wednesday, let's just say, and if he, uh, he still can play on Sunday, if let's say Friday and Saturday, he is, he tests negative both of those days and he's asymptomatic. A vaccinated player who is a close contact with a COVID positive uh, person are not pulled out of team activities. They, they are just subject to daily testing uh, and they can still be a full participant in practices, activities, and games. So those are the rules of engagement. What it does is it really makes it so much more advantageous for a player to be vaccinated because if he's vaccinated, then there aren't these ironclad rules that say, even if you're asymptomatic and you're unvaccinated, you're out for 10 days, you could miss two games. So those are the rules of engagement, Paul. I, and, and look, I'm not one of these people. It's hard to predict anything. But when I look at a team like Indianapolis and the quarterback and their middle linebacker, uh, Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard, you could make the argument easily. Those are the two most important players on their team. They're both unvaccinated. 
Right. Carson Wentz can walk in some Saturday and be positive and, you know, and again, look, it's just, I'm, as my daughter used to say, hey, dad, I'm just saying. <laughs> and right now, I'm just saying, the, you know, unvaccinated players are playing with fire. The Colts certainly come to mind with the uh, with with Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard for sure. Um, and we're going to talk about the Colts here underneath a topic that Colts fans may not want to hear us talking about here in just a little bit. But I want to back up, Peter, to something you said when you just got started there, that one of the coaches mentioned to you that he may be a little more concerned that COVID will have a negative effect this year as opposed to last year. But if the players are about 93% vaccinated and you laid it out really well there, that these players that are vaccinated, almost all of them in the league, it's advantageous for them. The rules are set up for them to, to make it through okay if they have good fortune on their side. With so many players vaccinated, why do you suppose that coach is concerned that this year COVID might have a more negative impact than last year? It's very simple. Players are letting their guard down. And look, we saw even though Adam Shaheen, the backup tight end for the Miami Dolphins, um, he's very much, I, I mean, anti-vaxxer, I guess you'd call him. He says on his Twitter page, I will not comply. And although he says that is about the Second Amendment, um, it, it, you know, he also celebrates on his Twitter page um, that he's, I think is when it says location, somewhere not wearing a mask. And so, you know, so here's a guy who is in a state right now that, um, you know, the New York Times had a heat map the other day of all of the positive tests in that state um, in the previous 24 hours, or, or maybe it was a, a day old. But in their heat map, they've got 113 positive tests per 100,000 population, um, which was either the most or second or third most in the country. And Adam Shaheen now has been on the um, COVID reserve list twice in the last five weeks. So, and again, I, he might be pristine. He might be clear the rest of the way. He's going to miss this game against New England this week. And I'm just thinking to myself, if you're a backup player in the NFL and you now have missed a five-day period um, in training camp because of COVID. And, and by the way, that was because he was close contact with somebody uh, on his team who was a positive uh, uh, case. But, and now he's going to be out for, uh, reportedly, for uh, a game this week against New England. How many more times does Adam Shaheen have to be out before Brian Flores and Chris Greer, the general manager of the Dolphins, say, um, we'd rather have somebody we can rely on who's going to be around. Right, exactly. Peter, I've been doing this uh, not as long as you have, but I've been at either NFL Network or NBC the last 17 NFL seasons. And I've worked with a lot of coaches, ones who are, are current, ones who counted as ex-coaches, a lot of different personalities, a lot of views on the game and why they won or lost. The one thing they all had in common if you got them talking on camera, off camera, about what matter the most for players, reliability. Is that person going to be there on Sunday, no matter what their scheme was, no matter how old they were? That was the one thing they all had in common. And to me, this kind of falls into that category. Of how long are they going to put up with that when the reliability is called into question? 
Yeah, it's a great, great question. Uh, let's let's uh, move to our picks now, Paul. I'll I'll just tell you a little bit um, about mine. Let's start with the AFC. Okay. And, and I'll just run mine down, and then I'd love to hear. I'll give you a, a thought or two on every team that I picked. Okay. Um, and then I'll tell you who I have coming out of the AFC. Sounds good. Um, my seeds in order: number one, Buffalo. I think it's Josh Allen's time. He made a big step last year. And now this year, now that he's got even another year of chemistry with Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. And in my opinion, they've got an excellent bench of wide receivers. So you can't rely on your, your wide receivers, your starters to necessarily play 17 games. I love their depth at receiver. Gabriel Davis, underrated guy. Jake Kumaro, Aaron Rodgers' pal, underrated guy. Um, I think Buffalo is going to be pretty good. Now, all this is going to depend because I think they're going to score a lot of points. They've drafted three pass rushers in the top two rounds of the last two drafts. One of those guys, at least, has got to become a presence in the pass rush. I'm gambling that that will happen. Number two with Kansas City. I think Kansas City's offensive line, which uh, the general manager, Brett Veach, told Patrick Mahomes 10 minutes after the end of uh, that embarrassing Super Bowl performance by that offensive line. Um, they have remade the line, five new starters. Veach had said to Mahomes, I am going to get this line fixed. He's fixed it. Now they have to hope that three guys who've never played a snap in the NFL, um, Creed Humphrey at center, a rookie, Trey Smith, six-round rookie at right guard, and Lucas Niang at uh, right tackle. They've never played a snap. Last year's third-round pick opted out last year because of COVID. All three of those guys have never played a snap in the NFL. That is huge. And that, you know, they've, They've got to be able to hit the ground running. I like them as the second seed. May have some growing pains on that line. Number three, I like Tennessee as the third seed. I don't think Tennessee is the third best team in the division, but they will have the easiest division schedule with Jacksonville and Houston in that division. That's the softest division of the AFC South. So I'm counting on Tennessee padding the record a little bit and going 4-0 against those two teams. Um, I got Cleveland number four, finally going to the uh, top of the, of the AFC North. Um, I got New England number five. And this is not a pick saying, I think Mac Jones is going to be great. This is a pick saying, I think the Patriots are going to have a top three defense in the NFL. Um, I think that their front seven has been so terrific during training camp. And when Bill Belichick really cut them loose against the New York Giants in that last preseason game, I mean, the Giants look like a high school team on, you know, on that front. I, I think that New England is not going to have to have this really explosive offense because I think their defense is going to hold teams to 19, 20, 21 points. Uh, number six, I got the Chargers. If all goes well with the Chargers and Derwin James um, and Joey Bosa can stay healthy, that is not a big if, it's a gigantic if. 
But if those two guys stay healthy, and, and, and Justin Herbert does too, this team could challenge Kansas City uh, for the AFC West. And finally, I've got Baltimore number seven. I like the Ravens, but man, have they been devastated by injury in training camp. And I don't just mean J.K. Dobbins either, the running back. They're wide receivers. It seems like there's something wrong with every one of them. So, and they've got a really tough opening game. They have to go to Vegas on Monday night and they have to play a team in the first pro football game in front of a crowd in the history of the state of Nevada. I mean, and I know that sounds a little weird and gimmicky and all that, but I do think, and, and I'll tell you one other thing, Paul, about that stadium. I remember I toured it um, a couple of years ago. And when I toured that stadium, uh, the contractor, the, the, whatever, the foreman, some, somebody gave me a tour and basically said, this is being designed uh, for maximum acoustic uh, volume at, 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 you know, during games. So I'll tell you, Lamar Jackson's going to have a lot of silent snap count on Monday night in Vegas. Anyway, those are my picks. I ended up picking Buffalo over Kansas City, one seed over two um, in the AFC championship game at Orchard Park, New York. Ended up going with the Bills to make it to the Super Bowl, yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's uh, As I was doing this drill for not only to have a conversation with you, Peter, but I did the same thing with Chris Sims for Unbutton this morning. It, I, I started out thinking, okay, I'm not picking the Buccaneers. I'm not picking the Chiefs. Those teams are so good. It would be so easy to go chalk. I'm wondering if you started out with the same thinking that, you know, I, I'm going to go against the Chiefs and the Buccaneers just because it would be a little bit more fun and interesting uh, to find other teams besides those two. That was part of the drill for me. It was easier in the AFC because I think that Josh Allen is really going to be great. And he's already, I mean, amazingly, he became a 69% passer last year. He'll be more familiar with a deeper receiving core this year than he was last year. Uh, and I just really like Buffalo. And it's not that I don't like Kansas City. But your, your, your point, I can't sit here and say, oh, here's where Tampa Bay is weak. They're not weak anywhere, and they got great depth. So right. my thing about, uh, you know, the way I picked it is I normally don't like to pick teams repeating. And honestly, I, I usually don't. And this year I really didn't want to because it is so incredibly obvious that the uh, Tampa Bay with everybody back, um, you know, looks like they've got a great chance to repeat. I just didn't want to do it. I, mm -hmm. and I, I like what I, what I see in, in Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay teaming up. We'll get to the NBC, uh, the uh, NBC, the NFC here in just a minute. Uh, more on the AFC, though. And as I was looking at these lists, Peter, um, I, I gave it, it surprised me in how much pause I had in the AFC East with Buffalo and New England. I like Buffalo a lot, too, but I almost put the Patriots ahead in the AFC East over Buffalo. I'm wondering if you ran into the same thought at all as you were doing this. Look, I. You know, I'll just say this. I, uh, I didn't watch a lot of preseason football. 
but I watched three quarters or a little less than three quarters of the Patriots and Giants because I knew each team was going to try to to play the ones and play very well. Um, and look, it's easy to sit here and say the Giants' offensive line stinks, and it probably does. We'll see. But that defensive front of New England is deep and it's scary. I think they're going to have a real emerging star this year. Josh Uche, the second round pick last year from Michigan. He has had a very good camp. I just, you know, look, their secondary is okay. It's not great. It's just okay. But look, Doug Peterson told me this this summer when I was saying that uh, I'm worried a little bit about the 49ers secondary. And he said, hey, if their defensive front is healthy, you're not going to need a secondary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so we'll see about the Patriots. But I think the Patriots, if you ask me right now, and I know this is saying something when you consider some really good uh, defensive fronts like, like Pittsburgh, uh, particularly in Baltimore, but in, my, in Cleveland, I think New England's got the best front seven in the AFC. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo what I think some of the fans are probably out there thinking, because even though your list is good, and I should say this because you won't, the last four Super Bowl matchups, you, you have predicted at this time of year, at least one of the teams to be in there. One of those seasons, you nailed both of them. So there's some very good credibility with your recent sample size here with who you picked to make it through. But the teams that aren't on here, that some others we respect will have in their playoff list in the AFC, no Dolphins, no Colts. No Steelers. You, you want to comment on any of those yeah. three or maybe all three? Um, look, I, I like the Dolphins. I really do. I, I just don't know. I'm so uh, uncertain about Tua Tonga-Valoa. Um, I didn't love what I saw last year with him, but he was a rookie quarterback last year. I think one of the things that we're judging, we judge quarterbacks too harshly. I mean, look at last year, Joe Burrow, if he didn't get hurt, he might have been a top 12 NFL quarterback last year. Justin Herbert was a top 10 NFL quarterback last year as a rookie. So we, we make it way too, uh, well, <laughs> we, we assume that way too early uh, in their careers that you know, these guys are going to be good. And I don't think we should assume that. But having said that, Tua Tonga-Valoa might be really good. And he's had a very good offseason. But I haven't seen him be really good. So I just don't know. And, and so, and, and what this came down to, and it was close, is that I trust New England's defense a little bit more than I trust Miami's defense even though Miami's got a very good defense too. And um, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be better than Tua. No one knows that. But I just trusted what I saw out of the New England defense a little bit more. As far as Indianapolis goes, I mean, I hate to do this, but I mean, this is a COVID-related pick. It just is. I just don't like the fact that two crucial players to that team at any moment could be gone for 10 days. 
Yes. They, they as could. you lay down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the Steelers, Paul, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of tough picks that you make when you, when you do this, but um, my last playoff choices, I knew I was going to pick new England and I knew I was going to pick the chargers. Okay. I just really, I like both of those teams. My last pick came down to three teams, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. And I could have flipped a three-sided coin, but I like Pittsburgh more than the vast majority of people in our business. And I'll tell you why. I went to the Steelers-Lions preseason game. Ben Roethlisberger looked light on his feet, relatively speaking. He's lost some weight. He won't tell anybody how much, but he's lost some weight. He looks a lot more fit. And he played that way in that game against the Lions. Pat Fryermuth, the new tight end from, from Penn State. Man, does he have great hands. Or at least he did that night, man. He caught two very difficult uh, touchdown balls from, from Roethlisberger. But I just think that Mike Tomlin always figures it out and you know I worry about their offensive line too like I worry about Kansas City's but I just think what I've seen in them I like I like what they did this offseason I like how they didn't panic and I like how Ben Roethlisberger has come back a lot more serious about his physical condition than he was late last year in the end of the AFC, you have Buffalo beating Kansas City. Before we get to the NFC, Peter, I'm going to give you my AFC pick. And I also yeah. have the Chiefs making it to the title game. But I have Cleveland knocking off the Chiefs in the title wow. game. And here's, here's my criteria. And I kind of gave a little hint when I teed you up. I just didn't want to go with the Chiefs, not because I dislike the Chiefs or don't believe in them. I think they're awesome. And if it was my own money, I may – end up putting it on right. the Chiefs. But I, I just didn't want to go chalk. So then I'm like, okay, what's my criteria going to be besides I don't want to go with everybody's number one pick? And for me with Cleveland, I like this. I, I like the talents of Baker Mayfield a lot. And what used to scare me about him now makes me intrigued by him is that he is not scared. And he's courageous with his throws. He can get outside the pocket. And as much as anything, Peter, I like his relationship with Kevin Stefanski. I like what they do schematically, and I like that they're new and being really good at it together. Like, I don't think teams are have them figured out. It's not going out on a limb to say, I bet the best years, I bet the guest, best games between Stefanski and Mayfield are still to come. And I think they're still to come later in the season, and I think their defense is going to be better too. So outside of KC, I like the QB head coach relationship a lot there, and I think the defense is going to be more than just solid. Here's what I like about the Browns right now. Um, I like the fact that it's not just all Miles Garrett in the pass rush. I'm not crazy about Jadavian Clowney, but he's absolutely uh, a force to be reckoned with. He can he can take over a game, and so to have those guys as bookends, I really like. I think um, you know I'm kind of on record as saying that Minnesota defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson is, in my opinion, the greatest signing of the year in free agency. But I also really like uh, the safety that uh, Cleveland signed from Los Angeles, the Rams, John Johnson. Um, 
you know, I can't tell you, I've gotten to know Brandon Staley a bit. And last year as the defensive coordinator in, in LA, he loved John Johnson to the point that most teams give their signal calling capabilities to um, uh, one of the linebackers. But uh, that wasn't what Brandon Staley did. He wanted John Johnson, you know, the sort of the quarterback of his secondary to be the guy who called the signals for that defense. He loved John Johnson. And I think he comes into to Cleveland um, to a bit of a needy secondary in terms of, you know, a take charge safety. I think he is just what the doctor ordered. I, I like your pick, Paul. I really do. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Very good. Okay, that's the AFC, where you like the Bills, I like the Browns. Let's go to the NFC now. And just like you did with the AFC, Peter, let's start with your number one seed and and kind of walk us down all the way to number seven, the seven teams you think are going to make it. Okay. Number one, Tampa Bay. I think they're going to win home field in the NFC. Uh, They'll take advantage of the fact that basically you've got all three teams in the South that are a little bit down right now, including the Saints. Now the Saints may not be down uh, and I've got to make in the playoffs, but they're not what they were. Um, so you've got that and the fact that I think Tom Brady, who always, always used uh, the third down back, Kevin Fogg, James White, um, were so important to what they did as an offense in New England. Now, in my opinion, one of the things that he really wanted this offseason, and he, he, would, he, he didn't want to, He didn't want to go beg for it, Paul. He didn't want to say because obviously, you know, you sound just a little bit greedy if you'll say, and pardon me for, I just uh, screwed up my laptop. And pardon me for, you know, in essence saying that, uh, you know, Brady wanted to be really, he wanted another piece of the puzzle uh, on offense, but he wanted a third down back. And Bruce Arians and Jason Light got him one, Gio Bernard of the Bengals. And they got him for $1.2 million. I think that is a great acquisition for Tampa Bay. Number two, I've got Green Bay a little bit, not because I think Green Bay is better than the Rams, but because I think Green Bay has a much easier 
road through the NFC North to win that division uh, has, and potentially could go 6-0 and in the division. And I don't think there's any way the Rams are going 6-0 and in the uh, uh, NFC West. Um, so I like Green Bay number two. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers comes in. He's quiet as a church mouse off the field. Uh, he's not going to be able to stop the speculation about the future. He won't add to it. Rams number three. We've talked about it. I just love the Matthew Stafford combination with, with Sean McVay. Number four, Dallas. This was probably the toughest division pick that I had because in my opinion, I, th I think Washington has got a premier defense um, and has got a deep defense. So Washington easily could win this division. But I think Dallas is going to be explosive and 15% better on defense this year than they were last year. So they're going to have to win a lot of high scoring games, but I think they're going to win enough of them to be the fourth seed in the NFC. Uh, five, six, and seven, I've got San Francisco, which it will not surprise me one bit if San Francisco goes far deep into the playoffs, whether it be with Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Um, they had freaky, fluky injuries last year early and often uh, that almost ruined their defense. And yet they still played really well defensively. So I think San Francisco gets in as number five, New Orleans six. Look, we'll see how Jameis Winston plays. This is probably more a vote for their defense than for their offense. I think their defense is a rough, tough defense and is going to play very, very well. Seven Seattle. All I know is that Russell Wilson Anytime he takes the field, I don't care what the odds are. He's got an excellent chance to win the game. And they've made the playoffs, what, seven out of his nine years as a starter. And uh, I just, I think any year, any year, Seattle can, um, you know, come out of nowhere and, and really play well. They have not played well recently in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to play great this year in the playoffs either because if they're seven seed, Imagine your road if you've got to win at, let's say, in order, uh, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and the Rams. I mean, you know, how are you going to do that in the span of 15 days? I doubt you can. But be that as it may, they, 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 uh, they're always good, and, and, uh, and I like them. Anyway, I like the Rams to go on the road in the playoffs twice to Lambeau and uh, to Raymond James Stadium and to beat the Packers and the Bucks, uh, the second one of those in a narrow NFC Championship game victory. Um, so I like the Rams to beat Tampa uh, in the NFC. Okay, so we got the Rams against the Bills in the Peter King Super Bowl. Uh, backing up now to, to your seven who made it, Peter, in the NFC into the postseason. So much different than the AFC because the AFC to me is so much stronger. You could pick any one of the top four or five teams and make an argument that they'll be in the Super Bowl. You could also pick out so many teams that didn't make it. I mean, we talked about the Colts, the Dolphins, uh, the, the Steelers not in. They all have a legitimate case to think they're playoff teams. Who, who almost made it in the NFC? I guess Washington's there a little bit, but are, are there some teams that you really had a hard time leaving out besides Washington? Washington was the toughest one, but I didn't really agonize over anybody else in the NFC. 
I think Chicago, uh, you know, the offense is just going to be okay. I think they'll struggle and at some point turn it over to Justin Fields. You know, Arizona, Arizona can get hot um, yeah, easily. But... And, and, but, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, if you rely on the Cardinals to win, you have to rely on some defensive players like Chandler Jones and JJ Watt, who are both uh, have both battled injuries in recent years. And so we'll see, but I did, I didn't really have to agonize. I think on paper today, if Washington plays Dallas, Washington's got a heck of a chance to win the game, but you know, if Dak Prescott stays upright, I like Dallas. Okay, so your your pick to make it through for the NFC, the Rams, and I'm I'm a little bit predictable here, Peter, with my pick. Because if you think back to what I said about the AFC and why I went with Cleveland, I kind of followed the same template. With okay, I'm not going to pick the Buccaneers because it's too easy. It's hard to find anything wrong with them. So let, let's let's go a little bit different route. And I thought, okay, what quarterback do I like the most? Who seems to have a wonderful relationship, play calling standpoint, with his head coach or play caller. Whose defense do I think is wasn't a huge problem last year, but looks like it's quite a bit better this year. And checking the box with all of those for me, the Green Bay Packers. And I, I know David Bakhtiari's not there and how valuable he is to that team, but he'll be back eventually. He'll be back. Yep. He'll be back, exactly. And they have the, the benefit of playing in the NFC North, which they ought to be able to figure things out before he gets back and stay with their heads above water and get to the point where he is, he has returned and they're playing their best. So I like Green Bay to make it all the way to L.A. in the Super Bowl. I think it's a really good and logical pick. And keep this in mind, okay? Wherever the Green Bay Packers have put Elton Jenkins since drafting him, what, three years ago, he's done nothing but be a stud. He's been great all over that line. And I'll tell you, when I went to Green Bay, I'll just tell you this right now. Matt LaFleur is not worried about left tackle. It's not, he's not being cocky. He's just not worried. He thinks Elton Jenkins is going to play well out there and he'll play until Bakhtiari comes back. I'll tell you this, you name any contender right now, who's going to be without their left tackle for the first six or eight weeks. And you just tell me one of them who can plug in a guy as good as Elton Jenkins in that spot. And there isn't one, (laughs) you know, there isn't one. If the Rams lose Andrew Whitworth, 39 year old Andrew Whitworth, they got to play Joe (laughs) Noteboom out there. And Joe Noteboom is a nice, uh, you know, swing tackle, but he's not a great player. So anyway, I, I think you're okay. Look, my Super Bowl pick, I'm picking the Rams over Buffalo high scoring game. Um, and it'll be the second year in a row where a team has won the Super Bowl on their home field after the first 54 times that there ever was a Super Bowl. It never happened. So that's my pick. My father, the stats professor, just rolled over in his grave, Peter, <laughs> calling that uh, unlikely while smiling at the same time, I'm sure. I like, I like the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers uh, to go past the Baker Mayfield-Les Browns uh, in or Baker Mayfield-led. They're not going to be without him. They'll be with them in L.A. Okay, so that there's a Super Bowl picks. I know you want to get to some MVP picks. There's no I in team, but we don't want to leave out the individuals here either. So who do you have getting that one? 
Look, I, I picked my top three for MVP is one, Matthew Stafford, two, Josh Allen, three, Tom Brady. Um, in my opinion, I think Stafford, if he stays healthy uh, and his receivers stay healthy, he's got a chance to have the first 6,000-yard passing season oh, in wow. NFL history. Now, obviously, that'll be helped by the fact that there's 17 games, but <laughs> I just think that, that the chemistry between coach and quarterback – is really going to help that. Give me yours. Uh, MVP, I like Tom Brady just over Derrick Henry. And sometimes I have to talk myself into not going just all quarterback for all these things, Peter. So I, I looked at outside of QB who I like. And I think Tannehill will be really good again. I think they'll win a lot. But if it's possible to lean on the ground game even a little more as they figure things out without Arthur Smith, uh, I can see them going that route. So either guy makes sense to me. Uh, but I go Brady over Derrick Henry. I think the hard thing when you're trying to pick someone uh, other than most, other than a quarterback at most valuable player is that the last time there, I mean, there's only been one time since 2006 that a running back has won MVP. Really? Okay. So, yeah. So, so Ladaney and Tomlinson won it in 2006, but okay. since then, it's only happened one time in 14 years. And that one time was Adrian Peterson in 2012. And just keep this one thing in mind. Remember, Adrian Peterson was coming off uh, a torn ACL and other knee damage. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Peyton Manning had a great, not a good year, a great year. <coughs> but, <coughs> excuse me, but remember, that was the year coming off that serious injury that Adrian Peterson rushed for 2,096 yards. And, he, and it was still a kind of a split vote. Manning got some votes. But that's how hard it is for a non-quarterback to win the MVP. So we'll see. Those are great points. And I think it'd be because of how much they're leaning on the passing game now, I didn't mention him, but I could see Devontae Adams, if it's not a quarterback, somebody like that, a receiver who goes crazy for a team that is the one or two seed, almost more likely for them to be in contention for the MVP as opposed to a running back anymore. Let me just run down with a sentence each. Um, my other key picks. Um, defensive player of the year. I got TJ Watt over Aaron Donald. Um, I think T.J. Watt really thought he should have won it last year. He's played great for three years for the Steelers. I think finally this year, as I wrote, he leaves no doubt. My offensive and defensive rookies, I got Kyle Pitts, the tight end with the Falcons, who I think is going to have a monster year. And Micah Parsons, the linebacker with the Cowboys, who um, I think is going to play the kind of sideline to sideline game that is going to uh, make him – people are going to look at the Cowboys being, instead of the 30th best defense, whatever they were last year, maybe right. the 18th best. And the biggest reason is the addition of Micah Parsons. My coach of the year is Sean McDermott. I think leading the Bills to home field in a, in a, uh, a very, very uh, tight race with the Chiefs, um, I think wins him – uh, the coach of the year and the comeback player. I'm picking Derwin James. Guys played five games the last two years after being all pro as a rookie. So I think he, I think he's, I think he had two semi fluky injuries 
And uh, I think he's going to get through this season healthy and win comeback player. There you go. Uh, my list, Peter, defensive player of the year. I had Miles Garrett this morning, but I listened to Chris Sims talk about Devin White, and I had him on my list. In the last few hours, I've changed my mind. I think he's going to be disruptive as hell there uh, yep. on a big stage. So I'm switching to Devin White there. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I went back and forth between Mac Jones and Najee Harris. I'm going to give it to Najee Harris. Just I, I can yep. see him being a giant factor in a team that's a lot better than it was last year. Defensive rookie of the year. I'm going cornerback from Denver, Patrick Sertan. It's already a really, really good defense. He's got a chance now to make some big plays on a national stage against Mahomes. They also play the NFC East and the AFC North, which will present some other giant opportunities nationwide. Good. Coach of the year. Very good. I had I had Sean Payton for, for quite a while here, Peter, but then I really started thinking about the Steelers, and I think Sean's going to do a wonderful job. I think the Saints are a double-digit win team who could win a playoff team or playoff game or two, but I'm going Mike Tomlin, and it's not like everybody doesn't have a massive amount of respect for Mike Tomlin, but the way they finished last year and how poor that was, I see them having a really strong year and being a factor in January, and it's just going to be a wonderful reminder of how awesome Mike Tomlin is. Hey, how about this little stat? And we got to get out of here and I got to make a little time for Mike Sando. <laughs> how about this? How about this little stat, Paul? This will be Mike Tomlin's 15th season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at the end of his 15th season, coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers as the head coach, he would be 49 years old. That is crazy. Right, <laughs> it just it totally blows me away. It just totally blows me away. It makes me miss anyway. my forties, Peter. They're so long. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Paul Burmeister, thanks so much uh, for everything this week. Uh, we are going to uh, bring in Mike Sando, and you and I are going to be back next week for a um, a really good review preview of week one, looking ahead to week two. So thanks so much. I like it, Peter. Thank you. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay, now for my conversation with Mike Sando of The Athletic. We're back on the podcast with my good friend Mike Sando of The Athletic. And uh, Mike... I really appreciate you joining me because I saw you in Indianapolis and I said, Hey, we got to take the podcast together and we were going to do it. And then a few things happened and, and we didn't get to do it. So I definitely wanted to do it post training camp preseason. So I appreciate you joining me. 
Hey, glad to be here, Peter. Uh, we had a good time there and uh, camps were actually pretty good for what we were fearing through the pandemic, wouldn't you say? I mean, you got to stand there with people outside and have conversations and it kind of felt almost normal. I'll tell you, the I was highly impressed with what I was able to do. Uh, it felt almost like a normal year from sitting down with coaches to uh, being pretty close to players. Um, I thought it was good, but let's, you know, Mike, let's just start in Indianapolis because I, I find the Colts to be a fascinating team. They're the only team that when I made my picks this year, that if they were a pristine team, if they were, let's say Atlanta with a hundred percent, you know, COVID cooperation, that I would have picked them to make the playoffs. But it's just very, very hard for me to pick a team with a new quarterback who's already missed a bunch of time this year, both because of COVID and because of foot surgery. And, you know, your franchise player on defense, Darius Leonard, Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard at a moment's notice could go down. And that is the reason, quite honestly, why I, I was going to have them be a wild card team. And that's the reason why I didn't have them make the playoffs. And, and I hate to, to basically lean on that as a crutch, but I just think it's got a chance to be a big deal. Give me your thoughts. Peter, this is a place we should feel great about, okay? Even though they, it hasn't gone exactly to plan because Andrew Luck retired, Jim Irsay, the owner, feels like he has the right people there. I mean, they just extended Chris Ballard and Frank Reich for like five more years. You wouldn't have to do that. A lot of places you would be, oh, let's see if they make the playoffs this year. Irsay's like, no, these are my guys. These are the right guys. And I think most of us who've been around them and watched them agree, hey, these are guys you want running your franchise. So I was going to feel great about them this year, but I already have misgivings about Carson Palmer just as a player. I mean, I think Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, I'm sorry. Carson Wentz is a player. He hasn't played consistently well. He hasn't stayed on the field and he hasn't showed himself to be somebody who reaches all corners of the locker room as a leader. You know, I did a piece, and this is an unfair comparison, but I did a piece this off season on our, uh, on our NFL top 100 Okay, the 100 greatest players in history at The Athletic. And it was on Brett Favre. And every guy I talked to talked about how this guy connected with every single person there. And it was that that made him such a great player. Now, that's a tough standard for anybody. But I feel like whatever happened with Wentz in Philly was weird. There's not a bunch of guys rallying around him. And now you come out here and this COVID issue is divisive. I mean, it's a thing where... Guaranteed, the front office and coaches wish these guys would just do it. It's hanging out there in Minnesota. It's hanging out here in Indy. Not just whether you're going to fail the test, but whether you should take it or all at all. It's a divisive issue in the country. It's divisive in these locker rooms, in these teams that aren't unified. All those things worry me. I feel like I'm not all in on Indy as I would have been otherwise. You know, let's just go over that for a minute. Okay, let's go over the last four seasons of Carson Wentz. Um, In the 13th game of 2017, Carson Wentz was having an MVP type year, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, 
and playing great, leading the Eagles at the time to an 11 and two record. And he gets a knee injury and he's out for the last three regular season games and all the playoffs. Okay, then we go to the next year. Carson Wentz is having a much more uh, precise year, a much more accurate year, throwing for more yards per game than he did in 2017. And after 11 games, he gets hurt again. He gets the back injury. And he misses the last five games of the regular season and the playoffs. 2019, he plays. And he's pretty good. Uh, And then 2020, he plays until December. The Eagles fall off a cliff. They're terrible. He completes 57%. And now... Uh, He gets benched at the end of the year, rightfully so, in my opinion. And he gets benched at the end of the year. And now he goes to Indianapolis to a new team. And he's already had two periods of the summer, first for surgery, then for COVID, that he has not been around his team. And he hasn't been hit once, Peter. He hasn't been hit once. He has not been hit once. And that's it's a good way to put it. I just... I like the Colts. I like the kind of the the shell that they've built on both sides of the ball. Um, I love the trade for DeForest Buckner. And, and there's a lot I like about this team. But not only don't we know about the quarterback health-wise, leadership-wise and everything, we don't know about COVID-wise either. We don't. We just don't know enough about Carson Wentz, in my opinion, to be very confident in this team. Yep. I'm with you 100%. I think it'll be a great tribute to Frank Reich and those guys if they get him going and he plays great again and they're right in the mix because they could be. I mean, they could really be uh, in the top half of the of the seeds in the AFC. You know what I mean? If playoff seeds, if they were to, uh, if that were to happen. So yeah, I think it could happen. I just, I'm glad I don't have a lot of money riding on it. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um Let's talk about another team that you know well that um, I talked at length about earlier in the podcast. I really want to get your view of the Rams. You're a, you know, you're a uh, an NFC West guy. You, I think you probably know that division from your days at ESPN better than anybody, really. And you still keep tabs on everybody in the division. Give me your ten thousand foot view of the Rams and whether. I should be as bullish on them as I am. I think that you, sh- you should be, it's justifiable to be bullish on them. I think they're going to be good. I think they were good last year. I mean, they won a playoff game. You know, I think it's questionable whether Matthew Stafford shows up and makes him better than that. I think they'll be better offensively, but what I'm saying is at the end of the season, am I sure they're going to be go further in the playoffs than they did this last year? I'm not sure. You know, I think their defense is still going to be good. I don't think it's going to be number one in the league good. There's just enough. That's hard to do anyway. You subtract right. Brandon Staley. You make an adjustment to a new coordinator. Um, you know, and let's face it, offensively, Goff was of a limitation, but there's a lot of things that have fallen off around Goff over the years, too. The offensive line wasn't as good. You know, some other issues there. Running back situation, they haven't had a dynamic back that they could throw those little short passes to, and he gets 20 yards like Todd Gurley used to do all the time. Um, and then defensively, I think people have caught up a little bit, closed the gap with Sean McVay. So 
to me, Matthew Stafford bridges some of those gaps, but it's not Tom Brady coming in and bridging all of them. You know what I mean? I think he's going to bridge some of them. And so, uh, you know, two seasons ago, he missed half the year. He's tough as they come. He's smart. I like him. I'd rather have him than Goff. I like the trade. I like that they're trying. I just think it's less of a guarantee um, than this entire offseason of Sean McVay just gushing and everybody dreaming about the possibilities. I, I believe in those things, too. I just don't think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, I'll, I'll make two points. So the last 10 years, Stafford's played a full season in nine of them. Yeah. And that missing eight games in 2019 really is the only scar on his record as far as injuries. But I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I look, I have gone from being skeptical on Stafford to talking to enough people and watching him on the day I was in camp. I mean, this team is swooning over Matthew Stafford. And I'm talking about the players, you know, I wrote uh, when I saw them about a scene where in an 11 on 11, uh, you know, scrimmage session, 20 snaps for the offense, uh, you know, after one of the plays where Stafford rolled out and threw like a three quarter delivery bullet to Robert Woods, uh, Aaron Donald went up to him, hugged him and said, man, I'm just so glad you're here. And Aaron Donald is not one to hug quarterbacks at any point, uh, even if he's on his own team, you know. But anyway, so so we'll see. But the only reason why I think that this is a really good match, it's like what I wrote about Stafford. You know, when 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 Sean McVay was coaching Jared Goff, it was like teacher and student. And now when he's coaching Matthew Stafford, it's like peer and peer. Um, and I think that Stafford is, is a guy who finally uh, McVeigh has somebody he really can trust. You, you said something, I listened to your podcast um, with uh, Robert Mays uh, at The Athletic, which I thought was really good. It was really a, a deep dive into the Rams. And I thought one of the points that you both made was the relative thinness of this roster. And the fact that they got a, a left tackle who's going to be 40 years old in December, who is vital. You've got two corners, uh, you know, in, in Darius Williams and obviously Jalen Ramsey, who are vital. You've lost your play-calling, playmaking safety in John Johnson. So there's a little bit of adjustment there. You've lost your defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. You're going to have the third defensive coordinator in three years. And, and, you know, and obviously Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in football. But those, those basically those four guys, the two corners, five guys, the two corners, the left tackle, uh, Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. You hate to say that you absolutely have to have all those guys for 17 games, but there's, there is some thinness behind them. And so I, I don't love their depth. And I thought that was smart, uh, you and uh, Robert Mays pointing that out. 
You know, though, uh, they've done a great job. This is something I wrote about early last year. They have found those John Johnsons, and maybe it's going to be Jordan Fuller. You know what I mean? They have done a great job trying to beat the system. And they basically said, look, and I agree with this part. We'd rather use those late first round picks to get a Jalen Ramsey, to get a Matthew Stafford, instead of rolling the dice on some guy who's either going to be uh, the best player at a non-premium position in the draft or the fifth defensive end who's the crapshoot anyway. You know what I mean? So but then they put themselves in the position to have to hit on those second, third, fourth round picks, and they've done a pretty dang good job. So I don't know if that's sustainable every year that you can do that, but Look, I really debated hard on how to pick the NFC West, and I've I've defaulted the last couple of years to what's the one thing I trust the most, and it's been Russell Wilson. But there's a lot of things that you can trust with the Rams, too. Uh, and so it won't surprise me. I think they're going to be neck and neck. I actually pulled five execs in the league and uh, to, to rank the NFC 1 to 16, and Seattle and the Rams tied for the third spot in the NFC. So I think it's going to be that type of a, of a division where it could go either way. And they're going to play some tough games against one another. And we'll see if maybe a Shane Waldron leaving the Rams for the Seahawks can provide a little bit of a boost. Or does Stafford come in and provide the boost they need from Goff and happily ever after? They could go to the Super Bowl, Peter. And your Super Bowl picks have been pretty good. I saw your in the football morning in America column. I don't know if that was a little bit of a brag in there, Peter, but those are pretty good recent Super Bowl picks. I mean, you had like half the teams almost every time. Yeah, I had five out of the last eight. It was it was a bit of a brag, but <laughs> you got to do I, it. What I what I find, Mike, is that uh, I remember the year I picked Patriots Rams. Um, I looked this was what, three years ago. I looked in the week after the championship game, championship games, where it was going to be the Patriots and the Rams. And I think there's a very good chance I'm the only person who, who picked that only person that I saw anyway, to pick that. And, and what, what I, what I said to myself is, okay, um, we, we always get the living crap beat out of us for every prediction that's wrong. And most of them are, honestly, most of them are. And, and so I guess I just kind of look at this and say, just to let everybody know, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 I'll say Peter's first year of watching yeah, a league. Okay. Yeah, or, or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever you might say. And look, it's, it's so much, if I was, if, if I, if I had to go bet the mortgage on something, what would I do in Vegas? I would bet Kansas City and Tampa. I know. But every single year, something happens. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nothing. But if nothing happens to Kansas City and Tampa, nothing of a very major way, and they cruise to a Super Bowl rematch, well, it'll be the first time in, what, 27 years or 28 years since Buffalo and Dallas repeated as the Super Bowl matchup. It just, it doesn't happen. So you just try to say to yourself, what can I see happening otherwise? So anyway, we'll see. What's the best contingency? And I think you've got a great one. I will say this though, Kansas City's made it two years in a row. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're- And and, and three years ago, they needed, they, they lost on sort of the miracle Brady 
Gronk finish in Arrowhead. They you lost know, to when, the guy who beat him, yeah. Yeah, and not only that, but I, I left the stadium that day and I said, man, I'll tell you, if I was a Kansas City fan, I would be the bitterest person at the fact that I, I never got a chance to touch the ball in overtime. Because if I get a chance to touch the ball in overtime, it's going to be Brady goes down and scores a touchdown. Mahomes goes down and scores a touchdown. And then what happens? But anyway, that was yeah. – I, I like the Chiefs, and I really like what they've done with their offensive line. Look, we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to know why you're very bullish on the Seahawks, who look a little bit shaky as we enter the season. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a contrarian sometimes. So, like, they were 12-4 and four last year. And they get talked about like they they haven't won a game in three years. Yeah. Like they're four yeah. and twelve, the Russell Wilson drama, Pete Carroll stuck in the Stone Ages. They threw it. There's like five teams that threw it more than they did on early downs last year, early in the games. But you would get the impression that they're down there with Baltimore running the ball every single time. Uh, they set a franchise record for the points, offensive points per game. I know the scoring's up, but um that's that that's what they were with the issues they had which were real issues offensive line got hurt they didn't have a pass rush rotation um their running backs they ran out of them and they really couldn't they had greg olson as a tight end and they were a 12 and 4 football team and russell wilson went in the tank the last half of the year against good defenses so when i look at them i see healthy stable of backs oh you added a uh third receiver in the draft. Oh, instead of Greg Olson, we have Gerald Everett or Everett from the Rams who knows the system is going to be a perfect compliment. You've got way more pass rush depth. You're going to have Jamal Adams for the whole season. You've been out, built the defense around them. Look, they're a little different defensively. I just think they're a team that's easily discarded and just shows up and wins 12, 11 games every single year that Russell Wilson's there. They win. You're 10 right. Games. You're so, right. It's money and, money. and the other thing, the other thing that is just amazing about Russell Wilson. Okay, think of this. He's played nine seasons. It's been nine seasons since he was drafted. Okay, so nine years in the NFL. In those nine years, the Seattle Seahawks have played 144 regular season games and 16 postseason games. Wow. Russell Wilson has started all 160 of those games. And in addition, when I asked him in training camp, tell me the one game that on Wednesday you thought you might not play. And he goes, there isn't one. So, I mean, you know, what do you want in your quarterback? You know, you yeah. want a guy who is going to show up every Sunday and give you a really good chance to win. That's Russell Wilson. He worried me a little bit, you know, with some of the complaining about the offensive line. I think once a quarterback's worried about getting hit, you know, that that is a little bit of an alarm bell. And the other thing is, I just saw a picture of him uh, and the guy looks lighter and leaner. He's always come in a little heavy to protect himself. He looks lean and mean. So hopefully yeah. for him and them and the game, he can do it again and start all the games. But the back of my mind, I wondered if this is the year he, he, he misses. So we'll see. Mike Sando, really appreciate you taking the time. We'll definitely have you back later in the year, and uh, maybe we can do a home and home uh, at some point. If you ever need me, please reach out, and thanks so much for, for doing it. Thank you, Peter. My thanks to Paul Burmeister, as always.
and to Mike Sander with The Athletic for their fine takes on the 2021 National Football League season. Listen, enjoy it. This is as anticipated a season as I remember for so many reasons. Brady trying to win it again at 44. Uh, For all of the young quarterbacks, the three rookies stepping in opening day uh, as the uh, new, basically, keys to their franchises. And we all know it's only a matter of time before Justin Fields and Trey Lance take over their team. So those are the kind of things that make following football so much fun. There's so much unknown, so many unknown teams. So have a great week one. Enjoy the game Thursday night. I think it's really going to be fun. I think Dallas is going to come in and play well. I don't think they can beat Tampa, but I do think they're going to come in and play well. So enjoy week one, and we'll come back right here next week for week two of the Peter King Podcast. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.